Welcome back to Resident Strangers. I'm Sarah Shallow, and as always, I am joined by Steve Ingram and Rich Holland. So, I'm putting out a PSA for everyone listening. Today's February What's a PSA public service announcement. Oh, thank you. Today's February 13th, which means oh, tomorrow yeah. is Valentine's, Valentine's Day. Day. Rich, do you celebrate? No. Track record would surprised? make me think no. no. <laughs> so. We do not participate. We just start calling them Scrooge Howls. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, all that to say, for those who celebrate, for those who are married, you know. Keep and I, that by the name. way, I give you permission to call my wife and ask her what she thinks about Valentine's Day. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I got a sneaking <laughs> suspicion that if you showed up with some flowers, she would be appreciative. Yes. She would, she would feel valued. I don't know, Steve. Because yes. we're talking about anthropology That's and right. how people have such great value because That's we're right. created in the image of God. That's yes. right. And we want to celebrate that. <laughs> That's right. All right. So we are continuing our discussion from last week. I mean, we, we covered a lot, but... Rich and Steve, you both summed it up so well, I thought, but we just wanted to to keep it going. So, Rich, I know you were going to kick it off yeah. today. So there's Steve, and you're familiar with this, Steve, I'm sure, because, you know, you're in the world where you read people's doctrinal statements and we talk about these sorts of things. And I think even a long time ago when we were talking about Bible translations, I might have even mentioned something about this. Um, the The term that I want to address is sin nature. That's the term I want to address. And I got to tell you, I'm just going to be honest. I wish I could go if there was a time machine and I could go back in time in Christian history, I would see to it that that term never develops and is never used. Oh, yes. It's terrible <laughs> now. OK, so well, I quickly, quickly. Yeah. I forgot to say what I usually say. Go ahead. Pause this episode. Oh, yes. If you didn't listen to last week's because Rich and Steve gave a lot of commentary context discussion on humankind being created in god's image sin all of that so yeah anyways so <laughs> right so the the question i guess that comes up is wh what is that what is what is the sin the sin nature um so it again i if i could go back and get rid of that word, I would get rid of it, but we're stuck with it. And I'm okay. I understand what people mean. Um, I mentioned uh, a while ago that the New International Version, uh, it translates the Greek word that is the word for flesh as sin nature. Mm -hmm. I think that's terribly unfortunate. So I get it. We're, we're stuck with the term. It's in uh, our vocabulary. But the reason I want to address it is because Depend, I think it's confusing. Yes. That's the bottom line. I think it confuses people and they're not sure what to believe anymore about what we are. So when I use, when I think of the word nature, I think of like the fundamental essence of what we are. Right. Right. Well, if that's true, then it's, it's not true that we have sin nature. If, if the word nature is designed to represent our fundamental essence, then our nature is not sin, it's God. We're made in God's image. Our fundamental essence of what we are is God's image. Now, I know what people mean, right? When people nowadays, when you see this in doctrinal statements, when you hear people talk about sin nature, I think I know what they mean. They mean, kind of like, Steve, what we were talking about last episode, 
that we are sort of naturally born into this state of separation from God, right? Yes. So, so I get that. I understand what, what that's referring to, but I think it's confusing because if people misunderstand and they think that nature there, when we use the term sin nature, that we are talking about the fundamental essence of what we are, that's wrong. And you can get all kind of off the rails thinking about what we are. I'd even go farther. I just think it's a completely misunderstanding of scripture. I think you go to Romans six and you go to Mm. Romans seven and you go to this, this whole piece. So we talked last week, spiritual death. We're separated from God. We are now outside the garden. That, that affects my soul. When we come to faith in Christ, we are made a new creature in Christ. My soul has been redeemed. I have been brought back into relationship with God. My spirit is now back in the garden. But there's part of me here that isn't back in the garden yet. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. it is my flesh, right. which is the exact word that I think that, right. <laughs> that they're using. And you, you go to, to Romans uh, chapter 6 and 7 and... Our spirit has been redeemed, but there's still something in me, my flesh. And Mm -hmm. that is that this body has not been redeemed yet. There's a day coming. Have you ever wondered what changes between here and heaven? Mm. You know, we get to heaven and everything's perfect. Here, we still struggle with sin. Well, my soul has already been made new in Christ. What gets made new on that day? It is my flesh. And I believe personally, that that's where sin resides, the temptations, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, it resides in this body that has not been redeemed yet, and that there will actually be a day of redemption, and that's what changes yeah. between here and heaven. So so practically speaking, uh, and you guys correct me, or you, you tell me what, what you hear from people, but I think this is a major mistake that is inside of common Christian culture is this, um, um, what's the, I'm searching for a word, this, uh, diminishing or demeaning the value of humans. It's like we talk, we generically Christians, uh, talk about humans as if we are completely worthless, as if we're just like a worm that we're awful and terrible and all these kinds of things. Well, the old theological term that I think adds to that is that idea of totally depraved. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just, you know, worm that I am, which don't think that's what it ultimately meant. It was just that we're incapable of saving ourselves. Right. But yeah, so all of that plays into it. But God places great value on every human, uh, even those who don't know him. In fact, Jesus came and died for us when we didn't know him. We right. were of such value to him. Well, you think of even our, you think of our culture and things. It's so funny because a lot of times it seems like in our culture that it's fighting with the truth. Cause if you think of our justice system, murder taking yeah. a human life is like the highest punishment, you know, that you will receive for yeah. that type of crime. But then there's all these other conversations that totally go against the value of oh, life. It's, crazy. it's so it is weird. confusing. And I, I don't understand how, even just from a logical perspective, whether you follow Jesus or not, 
it, it just, it doesn't make so sense. So we've, we've got, as Christians, we have to get this right, right? And I've heard Christians talk about themselves as if there are these this terrible in this very demeaning ways they talk about themselves as if they are this horrible evil thing and you know this kind of goes back a couple of episodes now about believing what's true about us no we we are made in god's image every human person yes. carries the image of god and has intrinsic moral value um can I, uh, I'm going to talk about Dave Ramsey. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, uh, come on. so if you go ahead, Scrooge, yeah, if you listen to, if you listen to Dave Ramsey, uh, he has this common thing he does. Somebody calls into the show and they ask him how he's doing. And he says, better than I deserve. Right. I can't stand that. Uh, I really can't. And now I get it. I know what I think I know what he means, right? We don't want to be arrogant. We don't want to be prideful. We don't want to think that we deserve God's blessings. We certainly don't, right? The, the favor that God uh, visits on our lives is totally undeserved. Uh, the gifts that he give us, these are not things that we could earn. God is blessing us. So I understand what that, I, I, I think I understand what he means by that. But I think it, it, it helps perpetuate something that's false, mm -hmm. that, that somehow I am this miserable little worm uh, and, you know, it's just, I, I don't deserve anything. You know what I mean? It's like. No, well, we talked last time when we were given the theology, God, it appears, created what we see as creation, not for himself, but for man. <laughs> yeah, I, we have these discussions all the time with people, right? This, uh, you, if, if our theology is right, Steve, we know for sure that God did not need to create. God, no. God, God is a perfect being in himself, and there was no need for anything else. God was complete and perfect. Yes. Right? So if that's true, and I'm, I'm pretty convinced that it is, then who is it that's the beneficiary of creation? Well, it's us. It's us. <laughs> it's us. We are the only ones who benefit from creation. And so here is God doing things specifically to bless and benefit us humans who bear his image. Yes. You think... Of Ephesians 1, he has blessed us with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. Why? Because we are of great value to him. And that's, so on a very practical level, uh, you know, this begins to touch some things. This begins to, to speak to why as evangelical believers, uh, we stand in opposition to our country stand on abortion. Yeah. Because we believe that at conception... You have life and that life is a brand new human person, brand new human person that is created in the image of God. He is the image bearer and therefore has great worth value and that we are to, to protect that. It's not a, you know, all the things we get accused about, you know, why we do this. No, it's because that life has value, just like the life of those who are sick, those who maybe have been born with some type of, of infirmity or uh, something that didn't develop. That life all has value because it's created in the image of God. And God is the one who both gives life and takes life 
And we leave that to him because he knows best and he's the one who, who loves it far greater than us. So it affects the way that we, we look at these things. Yeah. So Sarah, you, I mean, you brought up this cultural thing a minute ago, and I think that that's what we need to be thinking about when we're thinking about as Christians, how do we, how do we understand our theology correctly? And how do we live in this world that we're in? I think we have to learn how to be more consistent in the value that we place on human life. Um, I don't you don't you? Oh, absolutely. Like well, and I was going to say, I mean, it's a little more lighthearted, but and I know I know Steve won't see this the same way as I do, but I love my dog. I mm-hmm. love my dog so much. He is my little baby, my angel, um, but he is a dog. He is not a human. I would completely <laughs> agree with that. Yes, <laughs> yes, I could totally agree. And though it's a dog. I have so much love in my heart, and like I said, he is like my little baby. Um, my husband and I have talked. You know, there, there's a financial limit to what we would put into if he yeah. ever got sick or, or all those types of things. So at the end of the day, I know that he is a dog, and he does not even compare in value to my husband or other family members or friends mm-hmm. or whatever, but yeah, on a very practical level, you know, as evangelical believers and we stand against abortion because we see it as a person created in the image of God. I think on the other side, it, it's got to also move us to what about the babies that are born who don't have a place to go? Mm-hmm. Or how do we step up and maybe offer those moms who maybe don't have the resource to be able, they're created in the image of God. They have infinite worth and value. Are we willing to open up our homes? Are we willing to open up our hearts? How do we look? We have this uh, really sweet couple in our church that we had an unwed mom. Uh, or going to be mom. And, you know, I love because they're, they've been very involved in this thing and God had really spoken on their heart of we need to be willing to open up our home. And they've done it and they've done it with such grace. And trust me, those situations always come with lots mm-hmm. of stuff, sadly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought, man, what a way to practically live out our theology of that we're not just going to give money or we're not just going to vote a certain way, but we are actually going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And sometimes it means that we're willing to take children in and sometimes that we're willing to care for people that the world won't and it's going to affect our life. And I I think of our foster care. And I love, we have so many foster care families Mm -hmm. in our church. And I tell you, that blesses me so much because that speaks to a, I think a biblical worldview of the value of life. Yes. Being pro-life is, means a lot. Yeah, It means a lot. And really quick, Rich, I know you you have something to say. I just, wanted to touch quickly. We do have a ministry here though, for, for women who have had abortions. It is a support group that that helps you process those things. There is forgiveness. There is grace. There is hope. Um, so I'll link that in the show yeah, notes. Please do. Yes. Cause it's, it's a wonderful ministry because the reality is we all make mistakes. We all sometimes don't treat people with the value that, and then we learn and, and man, God is a God of great grace. Mm-hmm. And so, and that one in particular is, is I know a difficult thing. So yes, surrendering the secret I mean, is what it's called. Yeah. So we can't fix yesterday, but we can fix today. Yes. How, how do we value life and the lives that God brings into our life today? Yes. And, his, you know, historically, if you look around, 
you know, uh, hospitals mm-hmm. were religious institutions. Yes. These were Christians who made hospitals. Yes. And the reason why they built the hospitals is because they recognized the value of life. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's crazy too, because working at a church, you know, I've been working here, it'll be eight years in June. Mm. People in crisis, they turn to the church, mm-hmm. whether they're following Jesus or not. We don't always know where they are. I mean, we try to ask those questions, but it's like in the back of everyone's mind, they know that the church will help them. So it's just, again, it's so interesting just with our culture and the way everything's so conflicting. Well, if you ever have the opportunity to travel around the world, uh, what you see is that so much of the work that goes on with the poor and the sick. And I I, I think of one of our missionaries in Romania working with special needs children, but so much of it comes out of this compassionate heart of Christians because of this biblical worldview that all life is important. And we've, we've got to care for it and speak for the ones who cannot speak for themselves. Um, But it's, it's a huge piece yeah, I, I was thinking of Mother Teresa uh, when you were started saying that a minute ago. Uh, probably, I don't know, would you agree she's probably the most famous yeah. Christian international missionary person who's ever lived? Uh, and this is what she was famous for. Yeah. Going to the places that no one else would go, ministering to the people that no one else would minister to, uh, taking in and caring for the people that were outcasts and discarded and all that kind of thing. Yeah, um, yeah I mean, and so going back to that question, Sarah, about things being so confused in our culture, uh, again, I want to say that we have to be consistent, right? So in the start of this, or, or I don't remember when it was, a little, little while ago in this episode, I don't remember exactly where it came <laughs> in, but we were ta- I, was, I was trying to make the point that um, sometimes in Christian circles, we talk far too badly about ourselves, but then it's almost like we're talking out of both sides of our mouth because then we want to go and talk about uh, the value of life. And we should talk about the value of life. But I guess what I'm saying is that to clear up some of the confusion, let's just be consistent. And let's say that every human ever mm-hmm. is a creature made in God's image and is therefore valuable, intrinsically valuable. Yes. Um, you know, there are some competing theories about this. There are philosophers out there that there there is a whole thing that philosophers deal with about personhood and value. And the non-Christians get this messed up all the time. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen anything like this, but have have you heard of people talking about um, persons that have uh, functional value? Uh, have either of you heard of that before? I'm not in the same world as you, but this is, yeah, (laughs) but I, I, I can, it, the idea is that the, the competing thought is no, uh, really, um, your value comes from your ability to make a contribution to society, right? That's, that's what I was gathering. And so the idea is you, you, and some people have actually done this where they'll draw like a bell shaped curve and they'll say, you know, when you're an infant, you have practically zero value. And when you're a, you know, a young baby or, and in fact, there have been philosophers, uh, out there who have, uh, said that infanticide is no different than abortion and we sh- it should be allowed, uh, if parents have young children, uh, after they're born that aren't, that don't have the promise of making a contribution to society. There's no problem with just sort of getting rid of them. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, when people are very old, yes. 
uh, and can no longer contribute, there's no problem just getting rid of them. And that competing theory basically says that your value is in what you do, what you bring to the table, what you contribute to society. And I can't think of a picture of humanity that's more unbiblical than that. It's just not true. Your value does not come from your ability to meet expectations, to perform certain ways, to make certain amounts of money or to do certain things, your value comes in whose image you bear. So in a very practical thing that I want to take, because I could not agree more, but I've seen Christians misunderstand that. Mm. So that when it comes to then end of life issues, Mm. I have to do everything I can to prolong life with even uh, never realizing that maybe it's time for someone to go home so they can't breathe on their own, they cannot eat on their own. So Rich, what would you say to someone like that? Do do we have to do all of these things in order to prolong life or are we in the value of life understanding that sometimes it's time that God is wanting to call them home. Good job raising that question in the last two minutes. Well, I have a question about the death penalty too, but yeah. you know. Well, maybe we should revisit these questions yeah. later on. I mean, I think the short answer is, um, you know, this is in, um, I think we, when we think about the ability to prolong life, we have to ask the question, what are we prolonging and at what cost? Um, and so the way I would look at it is that uh, I let, uh, this is going to be too rough of a way to say it, but I'll say it anyway, let nature run its course. That if it's possible f- to save my life, then uh, you ought to do that. If it's possible to save somebody's life, to cure a disease, to heal an injury, to restore something that has been broken or damaged, then we ought to do that. But what we shouldn't do is make use of technology to prolong bodily function alone, right? That's, I think, where you would, and and that is too rough and ready. I mean, there's this is an enormous field of study that we could be talking about. Well, and for those who have been there, and sadly, I have, Mm-hmm. that it, it is a hard thing. But when we think in, in my heart, and I remember when, you know, I was in the hospital and um, for those of you who don't, don't know my story, my first wife had a massive stroke um, and we did everything. And she was really young. Very young. And we did everything we could. Uh, but it was very clear that, in fact, I'm not even talk about a, discussion for another day. I'm not even sure uh, because they had a machine on her heart that God hadn't already taken her home. Yeah. But that as that began to fail to, to know that God was God and uh, he was taking her into her arms and that was going to be the best day that she was ever going to experience. And so if you've walked into that, just understand that values life in a very important way too. Yeah. There's, this isn't going to do this topic justice, but I'll say this because I think it's important. Um, When we think about end of life issues, there is a significant difference between letting someone die and killing them. And I think that that distinction is a helpful distinction, killing versus letting die. And obviously there is going to come a time for all of us where the, we need to be 
uh, we need to allow people to die. Um, but that's remarkably different from what our current culture yes. is doing and devaluing persons where they're actually looking into the future. Oh, well, someday. So therefore, let's just go ahead and kill yeah. them now. And I think that that is what devalues life. Well, I think we do need to put this in the back po- in our back pockets for a future episode. Yeah. Seriously. I mean, we'll talk about the death penalty too. Yeah, I'd love to. Well, thank you so much for listening. Remember, check out the show notes. We've always got resources in there for you. We have that email set up. If you have questions, we really appreciate you all engaging and listening. And we will be back again next week with another great episode. Thanks for listening to Resident Strangers, a podcast ministry of Desert Springs Community Church in Goodyear, Arizona. Resident Strangers is hosted by Steve Ingram, Rich Holland, and me, Sarah Shallow. Our show is produced by Brandon and Brittany Petrie, and again, me, Sarah Shallow. If you like our podcast, please remember to share, subscribe, leave a review, and visit dscchurch.com for more information.